Welcome to February the 1st. Flip the calendar today, February 1st, and you've probably experienced many February the 1sts in your lifetime. Have you ever experienced one where the high is expected to be plus eight or at least mild? It doesn't matter where you are, Central and South Sask, we're still getting this blast of of mild spring-like temperatures which is a, a nice break, especially from the cold snap that we had. And, and of course, we know winter's not over. Like, we know that. Snow, there's more snow on the way. There's more cold on the way. So just enjoy it. Take it and enjoy it. We've got a great show planned for you today. I'm looking forward to some of the guests that we've got, uh, talks that you and I will be able to have. We've talked a lot about Bill C-234. This is the the bill that was brought forward in the House specifically focused on taking the carbon tax off barn heating and grain drying for farmers and people working in the agricultural sector. It got gutted when it was sent to the Senate. Now it's gone back to the House, a mere shadow of its former self. We're going to talk with the MP that brought that bill forward this morning, and uh, we'll get his take on whether or not they can breathe new life into it, or is it done, and and are they going to have to come at this from a different strategy? We're going to continue the conversations on education today, talking flex ed. That's an opportunity in the province for children in a virtual learning environment to follow the Saskatchewan curriculum. We've got Principal Ann Cook joining me, and we'll talk about the benefits and some of the maybe some of the challenges that come with flex ed. One of our regular guests that always brings a great perspective, Tom Korski from Blacklocks Reporter, will join us this morning. We'll talk everything from the CBC executive bonus structure that was just handed out to maybe even the Prime Minister's luxury vacation over the Christmas holidays. We'll get Tom's take on that. And we are going to give you a chance to weigh in on the discussion about teachers that made an impact in your life. Doesn't matter who you are. I'm I'm guessing there was at least one, if not more than one, teachers that had an impact on your life, how how they introduced you to something that became your livelihood, the way they helped you see the world, the support they gave you. We're going to open up the lines and give you a chance to weigh in on that. But first, let's take time to check in with the big talker. Let's get down to business, shall we? Welcome. Let's begin. The Evan Bray Show, the big talker. So we've been following very closely the inquest into the deaths of 11 people on the James Smith Cree Nation and Weldon that happened on September the 4th of 22. Miles Sanderson went on a deadly rampage. He, of course, was caught a few days later in a stolen vehicle. Senior reporter Lisa Schick joins me this morning. One last time from Melfort. Lisa, you've set up shop in Melfort for the last two and a half weeks and following this inquest as it's been rolling out. Thanks for taking our call this morning. Yeah, no problem. So yesterday we were waiting. A number of recommendations were set to come down. They actually came down a little later than expected. I think they were uh, probably about an hour later, uh, partly because they wanted to meet with family and community members and share the recommendations with them first, correct? Yeah, they wanted to, uh, of course, you know, give the recommendations to the lawyers that had been there, but because there were also families that had standing, they wanted to kind of present them to them as well. They wanted to present them to the leadership also. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think that's a very good practice to do that. It's a respectful way to do it. So 
I, I'm curious before we get into the recommendations, there was a number, 29 recommendations came down, 14 from the jury and 15 from the presiding coroner. Were you expecting recommendations from both? You know, I, I wasn't. Um, it's not always that you get recommendations from the presiding coroner. And I mean, even uh, the coroner in his instructions to the jury said, you guys could come back with no recommendations. So I wasn't quite expecting uh, more than a dozen from each of them. Yeah, for sure. So let's look at the jury recommendations first. Uh First of all, a fairly heavy set of recommendations focusing on, I would say, the benefits of involving Indigenous elders. Yeah, certainly um, there were recommendations around uh, getting more elders into the prison system and uh, kind of lowering their workload. Now, we heard a lot of evidence um, from elders who did speak during the inquest saying, you know, you know they have a very high workload, which means that they can't always put all of their attention on the programming that they might need to. They have a lot of reports to do. They have a lot of places to be. Uh, the one elder said his normal workload is two or three programs that he has to be at, but then he also has to fill in for other elders at other programs. So he's actually going to four or five, and he can only give about 50% to each one. Another area of recommendation from the jury was a focus on follow-up work being done by community parole officers after people have been released from custody. Yeah, one of the things that has kind of come out in the whole picture of this seems to be that Miles Sanderson was doing well when he was in prison. He was working on the programs. He wasn't uh, getting into drugs or alcohol. He was doing what he needed to do, it seems, to heal and to be a better person, he was taking responsibility. He said he wanted to be a better person, but it was when he got out into the community that things seemed to fall apart. He fell off the wagon and he started doing the things that led him to that stabbing rampage. So there was a lot of talk about, you know, we need better programming in the community. We need programming to be more accessible in the community, easier to get to so this doesn't happen again. When, when we look at the RCMP recommendations that came, there was, I would say, more actually from the presiding coroner, Blaine Bevins, than there was from the jury. But they really were around, I would say, predominantly around resources. Yeah, we did hear that uh, some of the cert teams, those specialized teams like the warrant suppression and the crime reduction teams, you know, they do really important work, but they don't necessarily have the resources to do more of it, to do it better. We heard that the warrant suppression team, they uh, cover basically the entire province, and there are, I think, upwards of 5,000 people on their list who are out on warrants, but they can only arrest maybe one a week. That's about the volume that they do, and they're really only going after the absolute worst offenders because they can only do that small volume. So the coroner was talking about uh, wanting them to get properly resourced so that they can do more and getting them to kind of share their information around other RCMP and police uh, services to kind of help carry that load. The jury recommendations uh, also had a focus on proactive, I would call it proactive collaboration with James Smith Cree Nation on, on a variety of different issues. Yeah, one of the things that did come out um, in the evidence is that there were people who you know, they knew that Miles was in the community. They knew that he was doing some bad stuff. There were a couple of assaults even before these stabbings started. But 
people didn't call police. They may have known he was out on warrants. They knew he was doing things, but they didn't call police. And it could be uh, that they didn't trust police. But there was a lot of talk about, you know, these people may have been kind of worried. They didn't want retaliation from Miles. So there was talk about, you know, wanting people on the First Nation to do that proactive call to call RCMP to let them know when things are happening. And there was talk of wanting James Smith, the leadership there, to encourage people to do that. Senior reporter Lisa Schick is joining me this morning. So in terms of the recommendations from the presiding coroner, Blaine Bevins, we've already talked a bit about RCMP recommendations on staffing. Also, I felt like the presiding coroner really put an emphasis in his recommendations on communication. He talked about the importance between Correction Services Canada and the RCMP, the RCMP and James Smith Cree Nation, and then James Smith Cree Nation and its community members. That was a, a theme throughout some of, of his recommendations. Yeah, there was definitely in the evidence, people knew things, but it wasn't shared around, so others couldn't act on that information, you know? The uh, RCMP, some teams knew that Miles was out and about and was out on warrants, but others didn't know. The First Nation didn't know that he was out and wanted by police. Um, there were, you know, things about the picture that they had of Damien Sanderson and that he uh, was seen by RCMP. They saw him in a house, but they didn't know that it was him because the photo that they had of him was, I think it was eight years old. Mm-hmm. So they didn't recognize him. So there's talk about communication between services to be able to get better pictures and better information on that front. How did family members and community members feel the inquest went? We heard from a couple of those who had standing during the inquest. They were up, they were asking questions, they were really involved in this process. And they said, you know, they're they're good with the recommendations. They think that they came out in, in a good way and they were talking about, you know, they felt the jury was respectful, that they were hearing what they were saying. There were some recommendations that, basically came right out of the questions from the family. And one of the things that they said was, these are good, these are great, but there needs to be action on them. If there isn't action on them, we come back in five years and nothing has been done, then that is going to be the disappointment here. We're expecting to hear this afternoon, FSIN has called a press conference at 2 o'clock. We had chiefs that were at the inquest. Any insight as to what we might hear from FSIN? to hear what they think of some of the uh, recommendations that came out specifically for James Smith, whether they think that these are things that are actionable, whether it's something that they feel that is going to be able to be done, whether they're appropriate, and it'll be interesting to hear what they think about the funding for some of these things, because certainly uh, First Nations leadership had put as one of their priorities as safe and stable funding for policing on First Nations. And that's something that they need other levels of government for. Speaking of leadership, we heard uh, at the end, after the recommendations had had come out, we heard from Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill and RCMP Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore. What was each of their takes on not only the inquest, but certainly the recommendations? Well, uh, Clive Wayhill, he said he's quite happy with how this turned out because this was a huge undertaking two and a half weeks he said at the beginning he thinks it's the biggest that we've had in saskatchewan possibly that there's been in canada and he says he thinks that they were able to kind of stretch the bounds of what an inquest is and kind of bring it 
almost to the point of an inquiry, though he said, you know, they did still keep within the box of an inquest. And I did ask him, you know, there are such huge issues at play here, things like intergenerational trauma causing um, criminality, causing uh, addictions. There are things like those addictions issues that are huge, both in the James Smith community and other communities across Canada. Was an inquest the right way to go about this? And he said he thinks it is because they were able to do it so quickly. This is 16 months after what had happened. And he said a national inquiry, if they were to go that route, it would probably be another four to five years before that could happen. And he said lots of things happen in that time. People can forget what they're talking about. They may not have the evidence. They may not have the, have the push that they normally would if it were that far out. Now, Rhonda Blackmore, she said that the RCMP is going to go away. They're going to take a look at these recommendations, see what they can do about them. Are they going to accept them? Are they already doing some of the things that have been recommended here? Senior reporter Lisa Schick, before I let you go, uh, you're on your way home. You've been uh, you've been in sequestered in Malfort now for uh, the better part of three weeks. But we do have another inquest coming up at the end of the month, and this one's specific to Miles Sanderson himself and his death. Yeah, as you know, anytime there is a death in police custody, there is going to be an inquest. There has to be in Saskatchewan. Uh, if you remember that September 7th when Miles uh, stole that white truck and went out, he was spotted by RCMP fairly quickly. They took him off the road. They arrested him. But shortly after he was arrested, he went into what they're calling medical distress. They haven't given any more detail about that yet. But they took him to the hospital in Saskatoon and... He passed away there. Now, we're going to hear about what happened there, how he died, and there are going to be recommendations around that and kind of a determination of what killed him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Lisa, I appreciate what you've done. We uh, we have now a little bit of time before we start into the second inquest at the end of February. Thanks again for, uh, for the great reporting. We've checked in with you almost every day for the last few weeks, so uh, appreciate it. Drive safe coming home. All right. Thank you. Lisa Schick, senior reporter, who has been following the inquest into the deaths on James Smith, Cree Nation, and Weldon. And uh, we are going to continue this conversation and dig a little deeper into those recommendations when we come back right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Recommendations from the presiding coroner as well. What I want to do is is take a bit of a deeper dive into these. There's 29 of them, and I would classify some of them as absolutely easy to do low-hanging fruit almost should be in place now and 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 the fact that they're not like to me it's uh in the next week some of this stuff should be able to either happen or at least initiate some of the work some of it's a little more in depth some of it i'm i'm scratching my head as to whether or not we will actually see the changes happen and i think that's the measure of having an inquest like this. No no point in having recommendations if there's no follow-up on it. Keep in mind, we've got Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill joining us Monday at 9, and Vice Chief David Pratt from FSIN joining us Monday on the Roundtable of Justice. So we'll hear from those two leaders on it as well. But you and I are going to take a dig into these recommendations and, and kind of assess them in terms of the strength that they have, how easy they are to implement, and the chances that they are. I also have a small list of things that I think were left out of the recommendations. We'll dig into that next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, thanks so much for listening this morning. It's day one of the rotating teacher strikes. 
It's affecting seven different school divisions, including Moose Jaw, Prince Albert, North Battleford are included in there as well. Just a reminder, you can always check that STF website. They will have up-to-date information on the school divisions that will be affected by the rotating strikes. And don't forget, there's an obligation for STF to give 48 hours notice of a strike in your area. So if you're not affected today, but you will be in the future, you can be at least guaranteed two days notice. For some people, that's still going to make it tough to figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to handle it. But that provision is built in to give parents the ability to make arrangements if they need to, knowing their kids won't be at school. All right. Well, we we were just chatting with Lisa Schick, senior reporter for the radio station, who was following the inquest into the murders that happened on James Smith, Cree Nation and Weldon. 11 people were killed. The jury came back yesterday with their recommendations as to what might prevent massacres like this from happening in the future and interesting so did the presiding coroner that doesn't happen in every inquest i've sat through many inquests in my former career with the police service it's not all the time that number one the jury might even have a short list and not all the time that the presiding coroner will have recommendations but yesterday we saw 14 recommendations from the jury 15 from the presiding coroner And so what I wanted to do is just dig into these a little bit because with interest and some experience, I can tell you some of these are very easy. Some of these recommendations that were made, I think, are things that could be implemented in the next week or two. Others are going to take a little bit longer. So I'm going to break down. We'll go through the, the list here of specifics and talk about it. So one of the first recommendations by the jury, people in custody should be assigned one person who consistently monitors their progress both in the facility and then in the community as they're reintegrated. This should be a cultural support social worker or a community-approved officer. I, I feel like that's a good recommendation, and that happens. In the police world, I can tell you there's programs like SVOR, which deal with the serious violent offenders. There's a program called SHOCAP, which is a serious habitual offender comprehensive action program. That's what SHOCAP stands for. And the theory in each of those is you have a police officer, maybe a probation worker assigned to work with a specific person. It's almost like a a one-on-one relationship. And that tie, that relationship, it affords some accountability. It affords oversight in the community. And so this recommendation I don't think is bad, but like you're going to hear me say with, with a few of these, it's it's going to cost money because it's going to be resources, especially if they're going to follow the person from inside a correctional facility and then out in the community. It makes complete sense, but in order for it to work, you can't overload people with a caseload of too many people that they can't do a good job of it. So it needs to be a very low ratio of people. So there's going to be a cost to that. I wasn't sure on this one. The Federal Ministry of Public Safety should create a new category of dangerous offenders. I'm assuming this is a public awareness thing because you know the serious dangerous offenders. There's actually uh, a public announcement that will be made when they're coming back to the community, that they're going to be living in a certain neighborhood in a community. It's a way to keep the public aware of a dangerous offender that's in there. So maybe if we're talking about a new category, I think it's just a public awareness thing. 
These next couple are absolutely about resources. Correctional Service Canada should hire more workers in federal prisons, and they should increase programming for inmates to reduce the caseload on Indigenous elders and caseworkers. So, I mean, those are both strictly resources. Uh, You know, these are the ones that I think absolutely are on the mark, but is CSC, Correction Service Canada, are they going to make this investment? Some of these recommendations, I feel, you know, in general about this inquiry, this had national attention. This is, this, this massacre, if you remember, they had, you know, they flew out Ottawa news anchors out to Saskatchewan to cover this. They did their evening news shows live from Saskatchewan, from different communities. The prime minister focused his attention on James Smith Cree Nation. There is an opportunity with these recommendations to absolutely have an impact on a national basis whether or not they will take that step is is yet to be seen how about this one correction service canada should increase its focus on parole officers keeping track of offenders in the first month after release that is a super strong recommendation and actually a little bit later when i talk about what i think is missing i don't even think that language is strong enough there needs to be intensive oversight of people that are released into the community that first month is absolutely instrumental and i give the uh, the jury credit for recognizing that here's one that i think it's an easy one the rcmp should make sure any photos of people in the police database have a date clearly marked on them so this is the problem when you're looking for a photo of someone who's wanted and the only photo you have is a few years old People's appearances can change so much. So ensuring you have an up-to-date photo, there was actually an early mistake in this case with having the wrong Miles Sanderson, right? There's another Miles Sanderson. They had the wrong photo out there for a while. So these types of changes, I think, are, I mean, I'll be shocked if the RCMP hasn't already made this change. I don't think they needed the jury to weigh in to uh, to make that one. Also, the RCMP should increase resources to drug teams to track people involved in drug trafficking. So I'm going to get into that too in a second here because the coroner had recommendations around staffing for the RCMP. Um, yeah, I think, I think we could actually go deeper when it comes to that. So we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. Here's a funding one. James Smith Cree Nation should evaluate its community programming and consider adding programs related to addictions, substance abuse, victim services, adverse childhood experiences, domestic or intimate partner violences, uh, and programming for children. So that's a lot of programming that James Smith Cree Nation is being asked to consider to add to its, its services and supports that it provides to community members. That isn't going to happen without, without funding. But there are a couple of things like having a community resource package available for community members on James Smith Cree Nation. That should be easy to do. Mandating houses have numbers posted on them and streets have proper signs and the maps are updated for emergency workers. Remember, that was a problem in the inquest where we had, there was RCMP officers that couldn't find houses. They were going to the wrong place. The ambulance had a tough time turning down the wrong street. I can tell you back through the years in policing, we actually did a bit of a campaign in Regina to have house numbers posted on back alley garages and and uh, fences because, again, if emergency responders are responding to a, a location and you're not coming down the street but you're coming down the alley, being able to find a place quick, we know 
is life and death in some cases. And so that is an important part of it. That should be an easy one for, for them to do. Here's an interesting one. James Smith Cree Nation should continue to provide funding and training to the security team there and should encourage leadership to continue the process of establishing a local police force in a prompt and timely fashion. This is happening on First Nations in Saskatchewan in a few different ways. The RCMP, in some cases, the RCMP are designated people to work specifically on First Nations. I know Pasqua, Muscopeding, a few First Nations in Saskatchewan that have either community safety officers working on their First Nation full-time or an RCMP officer from a nearby detachment that's assigned to that First Nation. Actually have an office that they work from, they spend more time on the First Nation, they're more visible, they build relationships, all of those things. If if there is a recommendation that comes out that basically is is focused on they need to build their own police service, there's a whole list of complications that come with that. And I would say the biggest one is sustainable funding. First Nations policing, which we've heard the federal government talk about, we've heard the provincial government talk about, has to be provided sustainable funding. If you are providing a First Nation with a police service, but you're doing it on a three-year contract, you're basically providing them with security guards. You're not giving them police officers in a sustainable way because they have to be able to attract and hire people to work there. So it might be easier to have a reciprocal relationship with the RCMP, but we know resourcing's a problem there, and I'm going to get into that in, in just a second here. Last, uh, The last one here in terms of the jury recommendations is Correction Service Canada should make sure community parole officers follow up with offenders to ensure they're receiving support and accessing appropriate medical care upon release. This theme of after-release care is probably one of, I would say, three points that should be focused on when we're looking at what we can do to solve or prevent this from happening again. Now, I mentioned Coroner Blaine Bevan is has made a number of recommendations as well. In fact, he made one more than the jury did. A lot of them can be packaged. Some of them are similar to the jury recommendations, and some of them are, are a little bit different but could be packaged together. We'll take a look at those. Also, I feel there's a list of things that we're missing. I feel that there's a list of things that should have been included in these recommendations that might ruffle some feathers, that might get the ire of the federal government or or whoever, but I think it's, it's in some cases they're the elephant in the room that we need to talk about. We're going to talk about that next, right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, good morning and thanks again for joining us. We're reviewing the recommendations that came from both the jury and the presiding coroner in the James Smith Cree Nation inquest that just wrapped up yesterday. We've gone through the 14 recommendations from the jury. There's 15 that came out from the coroner. I want to, I want to go through those, but I also want to leave in a little bit of time before the bottom of the hour to discuss what I think is missing. There's a couple of big oversights here that are important to consider. So, it says, uh, this is so, Corner Blaine Bevan made 15 recommendations. Some of them we've we've touched on before. Some of them regarding staffing, I think, are on the mark, but I don't know that they went far enough. Blaine Bevan says, Saskatchewan's RCMP commanding officer should take all responsible measures to ensure the province's warrant enforcement and suppression team is fully staffed and consider hiring more people for the team. 
the crime reduction team is fully staffed, consider hiring more people, and the trafficking response team, fully staffed, considering hiring more people for the team. So that speaks to resources. Those are, by the way, those are three fairly new teams that have been stood up by the provincial government to try and focus things like people that are out on warrants, people that are involved in in all different types of trafficking, not just drug, but human trafficking, firearms, you name it. And then crime reduction teams are interspersed throughout the province to work with the, whether it's the RCMP or the municipal police of jurisdiction to try and deal with hotspot issues that, that might arise. So, you know, I think it's fair to, to put that in as recommendations. Again, I don't know that it went far enough, but that'll come with what I think is, is missing. Also, some, some more things here. This is big, I think. When a wanted person is affiliated with a First Nation, RCMP should make sure to be in communication with the First Nation's leadership about the suspect's wanted status. That's exactly what Doug Cuthand said the other day. Remember, I had Star Phoenix columnist Doug Cuthand on, and he said there's some responsibility for First Nation leadership to be aware of and then do something about this. And that's another point here, James Smith Green Nation leadership should encourage citizens to report crime to police in a timely and accurate manner. A couple of other things. There's there's a recommendation to basically provide more and recruit and provide more elders to work in the correctional system. This is heavy work. And I remember when we had recommendations came from the uh, the Jeffrey Morris inquest in Regina to the Regina Police Service, one of them was around elder involvement. We took that to our elders advisory council and and we were able to do it. We were able to find elders to basically provide a service during time of crisis. But it's heavy work, and elders are elders. And so we can't expect to put them in dangerous situations or overload them with work that I would say jeopardizes their health as well. What what I what I feel is missing is a couple of things. You know, we heard time and time again Miles was doing really well while he was in custody. Why was that? Because when he was in custody, he had little to no access to drugs. I can't say he had no access to drugs because we know they get into the correctional center. There was just a story about that the other day. But limited access, limited access to peers that are going to take him in the wrong direction, complete undivided attention to participate in programming. And then the door opens on the cell. He's released back to the community with absolutely no supports. And so there are some recommendations about more intensive care and accountability after release. There, There's absolutely room for that to happen. But also, what about early intervention, right? These are all what I would call, you know, after the after action recommendations. So after a tragedy has happened and we've incarcerated someone, what can we do to prevent them from doing it again? What about if we do something early on? What if we try and provide interventions? And we heard Earl Burns Sr., who died in the attack, his wife spoke out about the fact that we got to find a way to stop our children from falling into drug addiction and all of these problems. I also feel like there's a recommendation that was missing about filling RCMP vacancies, period. Talked about the specialized team. The RCMP vacancy problem in Saskatchewan is a big problem. Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore will, will say that every day of the week. I've, I mean, I've heard it's upwards of 20% out of five RCMP officers that are supposed to work in the province. They've got one missing for various reasons. And the problem is they're pulling from a national pool. 
And this problem happens in all provinces. So we have to find a way to staff up. Can you imagine having 20 more, 20% more RCMP officers like that in the province? That would be huge. And that's, that's what we should have. That's not adding new strength. That's just filling vacancies. And again, we have national attention. I think a recommendation should have had that. The other thing is, and maybe this is outside the scope of the inquest, but these recommendations are focused on James Smith Cree Nation. What about every other community in Saskatchewan? Not just First Nations, small towns, big cities. These recommendations, to me, we can't just look at it like this is what has to happen for James Smith Cree Nation, because the next massacre could happen in a different community. So we need to be able to we need to be able to find a way to do that. And and finally, maybe controversial, but sometimes I think we have to recognize there are some bad people out there and we need to treat them differently. Someone who has a history of violence, who is combined with serious addiction problems and a lack of, we know the lack of supports are there after custody. Why are we letting them out? Why are we making that decision? Until we have a perfect system, until we're there, we need to look at these sentences to make sure that they are holding the violent offenders that are a true danger to the community accountable. Because letting them out is not only causing violence, it's causing endless amounts of work that are taking I would call focus away from true community safety because we're chasing criminals who are out on warrants, who are unlawfully at large, who are endangering you and your family in our community. Later this afternoon, 2 o'clock, FSIN has a press conference called. They will be giving their reaction to the recommendations. On Monday, I've got Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill joining me at 9 o'clock. We'll dig into this a little bit more. At 10 o'clock on Monday, during the Roundtable of Justice, Vice Chief David Pratt from FSIN will join me, and we'll dig into the inquest and the recommendations through his lens a little bit further as well. Coming up next, Bill C-234, we will talk with the MP whose vision it was to bring this bill forward to help farmers and his thought on where we go next since this bill has been gutted by the Senate. Coming up next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.